The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December uses detailed illustrations and rhyming text to tell the story of Jesus' birth. It's titled, N is for Nativity. This new hardcover children's book is published by Concordia Publishing House, their phone number 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about N is for Nativity at issuesetc.org. Use the ABCs from Advent to Zion to teach your children and grandchildren the Christmas story with N is for Nativity. Many of us grew up in elementary school, junior high, high school, even college, kind of dreading math class, not all that interested in it, somewhat intimidated by it, and we walked away saying, well, I don't really like math, but we all use it every single day, even in its simplest forms, and the fact is, it is a necessary part of our task of carrying out God's command to subdue the earth and have dominion over creation. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to talk Lutheranism and mathematics. Joining us, Dr. James Gill. He's Associate Professor of Mathematics at St. Louis University and author of a recent column for Adfontis titled Lutheranism and Mathematics. Dr. Gill, welcome. Thank you, Todd. What is mathematics? That obviously can get pretty deep. I think the way most people think about mathematics is what we learn about counting, adding, multiplication, things like geometry that we learn in high school. In general, I would say that mathematics is the field of human endeavor that is involved with quantity. And that quantity can be as simple as counting whole numbers, but then you get to fractions. And then pretty soon you start getting to things like the square root of two or pi, these very mysterious numbers that get a lot deeper than just simply counting. Make the distinction between the study of math as kind of pure math versus math as it is applied, which takes us into all different other kinds of fields. Yeah. What pure mathematicians do is they set up rules, which are often called axioms. These are things which most people would agree to be true. And you assume these things and you try to make guesses about things that are going to be true under these axioms. And those are things that we usually call theorems, things like the Pythagorean theorem or the uh, quadratic formula, which is a theorem about algebra. These are things that a pure mathematician is interested in. The pure mathematician is interested in where the rules take you, whereas mathematics as it's applied to the world is about using the theorems that we've developed from these rules and seeing how well they can model and predict things that happen in the world. So how would you describe the vocation of a mathematician? Well, a lot of it depends on what the mathematician is doing. If the mathematician is involved in teaching, then obviously teaching is a part of this vocation. If the mathematician is involved in research, then it is the idea of discovering new mathematics and pushing what's known to follow from these rules further than it's been before. But, you know, there's plenty of mathematicians that work for the federal government or for business, and their vocation is to help that organization in any way that involves quantity and helping predict and control what outcomes they might get. I was recently kind of surprised to discover that there has been kind of a debate in the math world as to whether math is real or whether it's something that we impose upon 
the universe around us. Talk about that a little bit. That's a good point. I think if you were to ask mathematicians from about 150 years ago or 125 years ago, they would all tell you, yes, this is all real. This is completely real, perhaps real in the platonic sense, as you get uh, Plato and his idea of the forms. Like We've never seen a perfect circle. One doesn't seem to exist in the physical universe, but you can imagine what a perfect circle would be. And the varieties of things that you see that you would call circles are approximation of this true thing. And I think a lot of mathematicians would believe that math is real in in that sense. But there was a program of systematizing mathematics that went on at the turn of the 20th century to really hope to make mathematics absolutely solid. Russell and Whitehead wrote something called Principia Mathematica that was published between 1911 and 1913. And it was hoped to be a foundation on which to build all of mathematics. You can kind of think of it as almost a tower of Babel for mathematics. And the hope was that math is real, very much so. And it's the knowledge about which man is even more certain than knowledge in other sciences or languages and things like that. And so we can build upon that sure foundation. But then in 1931, Kurt Gödel actually showed that this tower is automatically faulty. He was able to show through a very difficult logical argument that any sort of system of ideas or rules, something I called axioms earlier, any system that you form that is deep enough to have arithmetic built into it has statements, things which are either true or false, which cannot be proven from the system. And so whatever system we choose to use, as long as it's complex enough to have counting in it, there will be things that are true that we cannot prove from the system. And so this probably led to kind of a crisis of faith in mathematics. Do we actually believe that it's true or not? And I think you'll get different answers from different mathematicians, especially depending on what sort of mathematical field they work in. You say that math is a craft. What do you mean by that? I would say that when you're training to become a mathematician, you learn about seeing the world in a certain way. I remember when I was in grad school, I used to joke with my friends that we're all ruined for anything but being mathematicians because every problem, every statement that someone makes, we analyze it with this mathematical formula to see whether it's true or false or whether we could make it more true or less true or exactly what are the limits of that. And another friend I remember joking, well, yeah, but the only problem is not only are our brains turned into mathematicians, our brains are all kind of mediocre mathematicians. And so what do we do now? That's an aspect of this that I hadn't thought about before, but that math is one of those disciplines where it is a pursuit of truth, albeit a somewhat while practical in everyday life in countless ways, an abstract truth. Yeah, I mean, very much what most pure mathematicians are working on is not going to have any sort of day-to-day applications in their lives or maybe even the lives of their grandchildren. But because we start with things that most people would say, well, sure, that's true, the various axioms that we start with, Simple statements like, I mean, an axiom of geometry is two points determine a line, things like that. There is this feeling that we are finding something true. We're making art of a sort, but it's an art that has very, very rigid rules that go by it and that it must go by. 
What turns people off about math? That's one of the subjects that people, whether they're coming out of high school or college, will say, without any reservation, I don't like math. What turns people off and what turns other people on about it? Well, I think, frankly, it's very difficult. And I think God gives each of us different gifts. I think that's something that we all learn, especially as we get older. If we have children, we see... They're very different in ways that just they came inborn. And so I think that the challenge for a lot of people with mathematics is is it's very difficult and their mind doesn't naturally conform to that pattern of mathematical thinking. I would say that mathematical thinking is similar to puzzle solving and a lot of people like to solve puzzles except our puzzles are maybe a little less appealing to look at when you start looking at them. They're a little harder to get into. And so I think a lot of people say, well, that's not for me. And I think that's fine because it's not for everyone. You say that Lutheranism and mathematics seem like they have nothing to do with each other, but really do. What do you mean by that? Well, when you think about, okay, what is Lutheranism, right? It's a way of following Christ that's related to specific creedal statements that were made in the wake of the Reformation. And mathematics is the science that deals with quantity and assumptions about the world related to quantity and how we can push them further. And they don't seem like they have anything to really do with each other. They they don't seem that they're at odds. They don't seem like one is going to attack the other. They just seem to be going in, in totally different directions. But I don't think that's entirely the case because, you know, mathematics has claims on the world and and so does Christianity. Mathematics also can be used as a vocation to further God's kingdom, God's rule on this earth in ways that maybe we hadn't really thought much before. You go to God's command in Genesis one twenty eight: be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it to help us understand the relationship between Christianity and mathematics. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, and I think when you look at that commandment from God, we, we often think about the be fruitful and multiply part, but we don't think about the subduing the earth, having dominion over it. I think part of this is a call for us to build a culture or build a civilization. Not that all civilizations are viewed as absolutely good in Scripture. I mean, Abraham was asked to leave Ur. The kingdom of Babylon was overturned. Obviously, Sodom and Gomorrah were civilizations that weren't following God's law. But I think... If you're going to build anything that lasts longer than just your life, you have to figure out the way the world works. You have to figure out what things are are good to eat and when things are not good to eat. And you have to do these things. And mathematics can help a lot in doing these things. Mathematics is obviously important to something like architecture. Mathematics is important to modern technology and computers, like we're talking to each other and In the St. Louis area, this will be broadcast over radio technology, which is just about 100 years old. But then people all around the earth can listen to us through computer technology. And there's obviously mathematics involved in that. And so part of us subduing and having dominion over the earth is going to involve some mathematics. Dr. James Gill is our guest. We're talking about Lutheranism and mathematics. Some more examples of how it's a necessary part of our task of subduing creation next.
listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season, lutheranpublicradio.org. When Christ came to earth, he did not come as a fully formed man. Rather, he took on flesh in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He became a lowly embryo and thereby, in this act, made every child a gracious gift of God. No asterisks, no footnotes. To learn more about the blessing of children, pick up the December issue of The Lutheran Witness, cph.org slash witness, or our website, witness.lcms.org, to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Are you looking for a confessional Lutheran church in southern Alberta, Canada? Look no further than Resurrection Lutheran Church of Lethbridge. We rebuke false doctrine and call sinners to repentance. We proclaim the gospel to all and provide Christ's sacramental medicine to those who believe what the Holy Spirit has clearly and inerrantly taught in Holy Scripture. We practice these things in the context of closed communion and with the use of the historic lectionary, hymnal, and liturgy. Check us out at resurrectionlutheran.ca or like us on Facebook or call 403-915-4336. For your next family vacation, consider Our Beach House. A charming three-bedroom vacation rental on beautiful Siesta Key. Just off Sarasota, Florida, Siesta Key Beach, consistently voted America's best, is just 100 steps away. Whether you're watching the sunset over the Gulf of Mexico or frolicking in the warm surf, you and your family will fall in love with Siesta Key. Check us out at SiestaKeyRentalGenie.com or call Virginia at 941-266-1858. Listen to what you want, when you want. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not only does our church need men right now, but the world needs men who will proclaim the gospel in its purity. Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Peter Scare, Associate Professor of New Testament at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. If when you go to sleep at night you're thinking about it, my experience with it is this, is that thought won't go away. So if you're going to bed at night thinking about following our Lord and becoming a preacher of this gospel, then I would love if you could come and visit Fort Wayne, our campus. We'd love to show you around and show you what it is that we do. Have you ever considered becoming a pastor? Contact Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana at 1-800-481-2155, 800-481-2155, or visit ctsfw.edu. Christ-centered, cross-focused, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues Etc. We're talking about Lutheranism and mathematics with Dr. James Gill, Associate Professor of Mathematics at St. Louis University. Dr. Gill, before the break, you were talking about how applied mathematics is really a necessary part of our task of subduing creation. Give us some more examples. Sure. If you think about the ancient past, sailing is very, very important in terms of trading and learning. And Christ came at a time when People were sailing all around the Mediterranean, and and goods and ideas could spread swiftly. Sailing is very difficult if you don't understand astronomy. And plenty of mathematics was developed just to help deal with the problems of astronomy and figuring out what was going on in the sky. For instance, logarithms were developed by Napier in order to multiply very large numbers, the type of numbers you would need to multiply in doing astronomical calculations. 
So that's one way. Another way that I think a lot of people don't know about is our GPS units. We all know that GPS has some sort of mathematics behind it. I don't think that's a secret. But I think what a lot of people don't know is actually Einstein's theory of relativity, both his general and special relativity, are used to do time corrections in GPS satellites. And if they weren't used, they could not be good up to the precision that they're used now. Now, Einstein's theory of relativity came in the early 20th century, but he built his theory on something he called space-time, which is a four-dimensional way of looking at the universe's extra dimension is time. And he used something called elliptical geometry to describe this. An elliptical geometry is a so-called non-Euclidean geometry, which was discovered by mathematicians in the 1830s. And it is a different way of looking at geometry and lines. And these are things that mathematicians struggled with for years and years to really understand. And it's kind of interesting that as soon as they discover these non-Euclidean geometries, less than a century later, scientists are using them to formulate new ideas about how the universe works. And then a century after that, we have technology that can locate things anywhere on the globe. Tell us about the ancient cult of Pythagoras, and I think you got into a little bit of its present-day counterparts. Pythagoras was a, an ancient mathematician and cult leader who was born in 1570 BC. He was involved in a cult that, that said that everything was number. It was an obsession with number, and they discovered things like various musical ratios that are used to produce harmonies, and they saw number in those. And they even had some forbidden knowledge that they didn't let other people in the outside the cult know about that not everything actually was number because they figured out that the square root of two was not a number under their definition. And so this was a very bad thing for them. But the idea of the Pythagorean cult was that everything is number. And so if we devote our lives to number, then we are going to discover something true about the universe. And this is also something that mathematicians Russell and Whitehead and, and many others in the early 20th century said, we can build all knowledge on number. And of course, Gödel with his incompleteness theorem showed that we can't actually build all knowledge, that there's some true knowledge out there that cannot be supported by just mathematics. And so that means that mathematics is a tool, but it is not a perfect tool. It's a fallen tool, just like our reason. And in fact, it cannot help but be fallen because it's built on our reason. I have read at least popular works of physics and mathematics where it has been claimed similarly that math is all there really is. Math is the ground of reality. It's very close to saying, in essence, that math is God, albeit a very passive God. What are your thoughts? Well, that's certainly an ethos. <laughs> I'm not sure what sort of life it's going to guide you into. It's certainly not something that's going to give you much hope, and especially most people much hope, given how well most students take to mathematics. I think there's a temptation to make it into a god because it's something that you feel uh, you can understand and that you can have control over, as opposed to the living god who exists outside of us and has rules and ways that we don't have any say over. Why should someone study mathematics, be it professionally or just simply a student in college who has to take that obligatory math course to get their due credits? Yeah, I mean, say you want to become a doctor, 
it's very common that you have to take calculus in college in order to become a doctor. Well, the people who decide what medical school is about have decided that a knowledge of calculus is important for becoming a doctor. And for some people, that's why they should study mathematics. Some people should study mathematics because they find it interesting and they find that they have a knack for it. And for people like that, I encourage them to go ahead and study it. Go ahead and go as deep into it as you desire to because there are jobs waiting. I got my PhD in 2009 at the kind of height of the Great Recession and we were all very panicked about what sort of jobs we got. Not all of us got the academic jobs we were hoping for, but the federal government was and the Department of Defense was happy to swoop in and hire these PhD mathematicians. So there's work for people who are able to study mathematics at a high level. But there's also good work to be done in our schools, and our Lutheran schools need good math teachers. Also, there are plenty of professions, and anytime you see a list of satisfying careers and you look at these top 20 careers, you can probably probably find at least a quarter of them which involve a heavy mathematical component. If you want to become an actuary or a statistician, like these are good careers. These are careers that often don't have a lot of politics behind them. You can do your job. You, you can help the organization. And usually you can be remunerated pretty well because, as we discussed before, a lot of people don't want to do the math. One of the things that I find fascinating about math, being a theologian, is that whether it's real or not, I happen to believe it is real, it has its origin in the mind of God. It's not something that exists apart from God, but if God created everything, then he indeed also created this logically consistent, very deep reality that we can study and call math. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's true, and I think many mathematicians have wrestled and thought about that. There was a mathematician named Paul Erdos, I believe who was a Hungarian mathematician, very famous mathematician in the 20th century, who wrote a book with a friend called Proofs from the Book. And these people weren't very theistic, but uh, they used to joke that, that sometimes someone would come up with a proof of a theorem so beautiful that it must be in God's book, that this is the best proof of this theorem. And so they wrote a book called Proofs from the Book where they just had their favorite proofs of a variety of theorems. And I think a lot of mathematicians, when, when you get down to talking about the things that they respect most in their field, the mathematicians they respect most, the papers they respect most, they do have an awe in seeing these things come together. Just as if you might have an awe in hearing a beautiful piece of music or, or seeing an amazing painting, once you've studied mathematics deeply, you get a reverence for these, these things that you see, and you're just kind of shocked that something could be true. And I think it points you towards the creator just as great art or an amazing vista does, that there is a deep mind behind these things. And he has given us the ability to glimpse just a part of it. Dr. James Gill is Associate Professor of Mathematics at St. Louis University. He's author of a recent column for Adfontis titled Lutheranism and Mathematics. You can read it on the Talk On Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Dr. Gill, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, Todd. When we come back, we'll be answering some arguments against Christianity. Next is Gender is Fluid. Pastor Andrew Packer will be our guest.
If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2023, please make a year-end gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our forthcoming book, Objections Overruled 3, Answering Arguments Against Christianity, and a new recording of 15 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2023. Husband, wife, daughter, son, grandchildren, godchildren, pastor, the kids at church, basically everyone of your Christian loved ones is catered for at Ad Crucem. We are the place to go for all your Christmas purchases. Stock up on our amazing Christmas cards, Christmons, Christmas ornaments, unique Christian jewellery, springly cookie moulds, gifts and much more. Visit adcrucem.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M dot com. Education and edification. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial A Podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. In the Advent season, we reflect on the birth of hope. Luke 2.6 tells us, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. In the quiet moments of Advent, let's embrace the anticipation of Christ's birth. From all of us at Lutheran Church Extension Fund, may this Advent season fill your heart with hope, love, and the promise of a new beginning.